You are the last of your kind, bred for combat, built for war. That's the classic back of the box for Halo Combat Evolved. The game we'll be talking about today on Video Gameography, the podcast where we explore the most important game franchises in history, one game at a time. I'm Ben Reeves. Halo, I'm Marcus Stewart. Oh, and today we are joined by a very special guest, the editor-in-chief of Game Informer himself, Andy Reiner. How's it going? I am the master chief of Game Informer. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's what the E stands for. Yeah, I, uh, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm excited to be on the show here, Ben and, and Marcus. I love your work and uh, excited to kick off a, a new chapter with uh, one of gaming's biggest franchises. Mm, you've, you've heard of us. <laughs> it feels like the right time, too, because everybody's playing Halo Infinite. and We'll eventually get to talk about it, but we want to start at the beginning. Halo Combat Evolved. Real quick to start, we always talk about our personal experiences with the game. Reiner, you reviewed the game. What was your experience with it? Were you like looking forward to it before it came out? Yeah, you know, I have a lot of stories to tell about the pre-launch uh, <laughs> kind of activity of the Xbox before the system came out because it was a launch title, right? It was kind of the launch title. But before that, before before Xbox hit and everybody knew Halo was going to be the game to get, Microsoft was really pushing other games. Fusion Frenzy was one they really wanted us to like <laughs> like that was one they just like this is the game this is the xbox game and then you know licensed games like shrek remember that that disaster that launched with it so oh no don't get me started on shrek yeah i, I went <laughs> to microsoft before the launch of xbox and they took me on a tour of all these games and i was just like oh none of this stuff is really working the black and white buttons on the controller i couldn't like you know even just kind of like you get a good feel for those face buttons, but th they were so far removed from your comfort zone, hitting those for certain actions in the games. It was just kind of, it felt like a disaster at launch. They didn't really promote. Yeah. Did you ever talk to anybody who designed that controller and like, what was the thought behind the black and white buttons? You know, I don't know. I think they just wanted two more and they thought maybe putting them right next to the, the four that are there already might be too much, even though the Genesis did that way back in the day. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we handled that just fine. But yeah, I'm not sure. But they they weren't really talking about Halo. I don't know if it just wasn't ready at that time, you know, for those demos. But that ended up being the game. And we didn't know it was, you know, going to be this classic until about two weeks, three weeks before launch. Right. Like when we got our hands on on the review copy, I think I gave it a, a 9.5 out of 10. I'm not sure what Andy gave it. I, I know you have that review there, Ben. He also gave it a 9.5. Yeah. That's not the only thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Incorrectly called Master Chief Master Sergeant. Um, sadly, I wasn't around for uh, for edits on that one. I was on a on a cover story trip when when that went through editing. But yeah, that that's one of the funniest uh, typos we have in our in Game Informers history. Gosh. Yeah. He's not living that one down for a while, I think. <laughs> Honest mistake. I remember reading it because I was a, a fan reading the magazine back then. And just he talked about Master Sergeant. I hadn't played the game. And I was like. Is there another character in the game that's like there's Master Chief, Master Sergeant? Maybe there's a bunch of masters. Like I just assumed I went with yeah. it. I, I just assumed he wasn't wrong. Yeah, Master Sergeant. But no, the Master Chief, and he uh, you know, is back in infinite and completely nostalgic. It makes you think of Halo Combat Evolved the whole way when you play that game, which is was pretty amazing. Yeah. I did not have Halo on my radar at all before the Xbox came out. 
and then it came out and it got a bunch of awesome scores. You guys gave it a nine five. Other outlets, I think, were giving it perfect tens. And I was yeah. like, man, I guess I got to play this thing. And then I went and bought. I used my tax return money to buy an Xbox and and Halo. And uh, yeah, fell in love. Marcus, what is your experience with Halo? In 2001, I would have been in eighth grade, I believe. And this would have been around the age where I started to dip my toe in, in like following gaming news uh, more closely. But I, like you, I didn't have Halo on my radar at all. I had no idea what it was. I only knew the Xbox by name and passing. And I'll never forget one of my friends at the time invited me over his house and he had the Xbox like at launch. And I remember seeing it for the first time and thinking like, wow, this thing's huge. And he's so excited. He's like, hey, have you heard of Halo? And I'm like, no, what is that? And he's like, dude. And he like throws another controller at me and fires it up. And we start playing a uh, multiplayer together. And at this point, I didn't grow up playing really any shooters because I didn't have a PC. So I kind of missed all the Doom and Quake stuff. Like GoldenEye 64 was my pretty much my shooter of choice at the time. And I remember it tap it hit that same um like those same notes of like, oh wow, this is like I think I literally thought like, oh, this is like GoldenEye. Like this is great. We're shooting each other. This looks amazing, like graphically. And that became our thing, right? I just wanted to go over his house and we would just play Halo multiplayer together. The GoldenEye comparison is interesting because it felt like GoldenEye was the console shooter of choice for years and years, especially yeah. for multiplayer and to some extent perfect dark. But Halo was finally the game that dethroned it. It was this is what console shooters can be. And it was great. All right. Well, we, we got a lot to dive into here if we want to cover the dev history. So we should just get right to it. Halo, obviously released November 15th, 2001. 2001 was a decent year. A couple other games that came out that year were Final Fantasy X, Grand Theft Auto 3, Gran Turismo 3, Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty, Smash Brothers Melee, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. Again, 3 is a theme here. And then the original Devil May Cry. So solid year. You were busy that year, I take it, Reiner. Yeah. I you know, I remember reviewing Metal Gear with Matthew Cotto. We played that until like boy, four or five AM, I think. <laughs> Just we couldn't put it down. And gave that a ten out of ten. I believe that was our game of the year then. I think that was, you know, just kind of our runaway hit. Oh, over GTA even. I think so, yeah. And GTA three, I don't think it really grabbed a lot of the staff. Really? You know, like I think the the whole that was kind of the beginning of like the big open world movement in games, right? Like that was kind of our first real taste of something really like just that that's going to change everything moving forward. You know, we had Oblivion and stuff like that, but yeah, that that was the game that that really kind of set the standard. But it took it took some doing to get some people to play that. I know a lot of people didn't like the gunplay, you know, which they've fixed in the much maligned. Uh, <laughs> classic trilogy that just came back yeah the classic trilogy they're still fixing yeah yeah at least that's one part that's better but yeah halo was right there in those discussions you know it was it was the best multiplayer game of that year hands down split screen playing that four player and we did that so much in the office and with friends like like marcus was staying like it was it was just an incredible new ip that that came out in that year sadly against some big juggernauts so Wild. Well, just to cast your mind back to 2001 a little bit more, Donnie Darko was in theaters. So was Memento, the Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. The first one came out. So that was what was going on in film. That was also the year that Dale Earnhardt died at the Daytona 500. And then George Harrison also passed away that year of lung cancer. So hmm. lost a couple of edges there. Oh, my. 
But uh, to dive into the history of Halo, we should probably go back even further than 2001 and start with the creation of Bungie. Bungie started in 1990. Alex Seropian founded the company and published a bunch of games. And early on at college, met another programmer, Jason Jones, who was also very, very important for the formation of Halo. Reiner, have you met these guys? I did. Yeah. At E3. Boy, I can't remember what game that was for. Many, many moons ago. Uh, yeah, I got to spend, I don't know, 10 to 15 minutes with them. Yeah, I met Jason during one of our Destiny cover stories, I think. Nice guy. But yeah, I didn't really hang out with him for very long. Anyway, Bungie, they start programming a bunch of games, generally for the Mac. They're known as a Mac developer. They make a Minotaur game. They make Marathon is kind of one of their big hits. It's a shooter franchise before Destiny. And then they also do the Myth series. So they do Myth 1 and 2, which are real-time strategy games. That's kind of their bread and butter is shooters and real-time strategy, but all on the Mac, surprisingly enough. Hmm. Development of Halo started in 1997. Do you guys know what the working title for Halo was? I do not. I feel like I used to know, (laughs) and it was something odd. Mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. Uh, Actually, more absurd than that. So the first working title reportedly is Armor. The second working title, they're like, that's boring. We should change it. They changed it to Monkey Nuts oh. as the working title. And they're like, Jason Jones was like, I can't tell my mother what I'm working on. So we we, we have to change it to something else. I can't call this game Monkey Nuts. <laughs> they started calling it Blam. The Rock was involved with the early Xbox marketing. You think he helped name that? Because that's an absolute rock insult. Monkey Nuts. Oh, gosh, it does. Has he said that in ring? He has said things very close to that. <laughs> that does sound like a rock thing. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I do remember the rock marketing. He because he debuted the Xbox. Yeah, little known fact. It, it, what a, it's still the weirdest little tidbit to me. <laughs> That's so weird. Halo famously started development as a real time strategy game and then slowly transitioned. They kept moving the camera closer is what they say. It it eventually became a third person shooter. <laughs> throughout development uh, and it wasn't until near the you know further closer to release that they finally were like it should just be a first person shooter so it's kind of funny how that transitioned possible names for the game before release were the santa machine which that's a joke obviously uh the crystal palace hard vacuum which is i kind of like kind of sounds like dumb pulpy sci-fi thing star maker and star shield Ooh, i like that last one star shield yeah, protect the star. Do you have any idea where the name of the company came from? Bungie? Yeah, it's such no. a weird one, right? Yeah, it is a weird name. Do you know? No, I was just trying to look it up and I couldn't find anything. That's something we should ask them the next time we, we get to chat. That's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, so the game debuted at Macworld. There was a famous video. It's online. It's on YouTube. You can watch of Steve Jobs saying, hey, check out Halo. It's the new game for Macintosh, which is weird in retrospect now. <laughs> Apparently, Marty O'Donnell debuted. That, that was when Marty O'Donnell debuted the Halo theme too, the uh, and he was inspired to write that because he was listening to the Beatles yesterday at the time. Well, fun fact. That's so weird. I was literally listening to yesterday, yesterday. And the first thing that did come to mind was Halo. What a coincidence. Oh, um, yeah. I So I went back and listened to yesterday afterwards. And I was like, oh, I can kind of see the influence, but it's not something I would have picked up on my own. Yeah. If you play it backwards, then you get <laughs> That's a, right. Well, you, then you can hear the, the devil screaming at you. Yeah. Sounds like a covenant grunt. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> 
Uh, he also Marty O'Donnell also put a lot of his voices in there. So like he's a lot of the enemies and he like the I think it's like the shooting of the charge pistol. He's that's just him going or something like that. And then he runs it through a filter. It's kind of fun. Hmm. Reiner, did you get a chance to play Halo much before it came out? Did you see the like RTS version? I did not see the RTS version. The The first time I played it was with Seamus Blackley in Game Informer's office when we were building out our Minneapolis studio. So it was in completely gutted, like just concrete and beams. And then we just had like this little room in the back that we uh, we played a Halo on. You know, we played four player and played some of the campaign. And he's like, yeah, this this game is really great. And then that's when we were first, you know, like, well, this this seems like a legit game here on on Xbox. That's interesting. Yeah. Laughing at, at how bad Fusion Frenzy was, you know, the <laughs> announcer in that game and just, you know, it's like Microsoft just it doesn't seem like they got it here. You know, this this seems like a, a bad bad idea to launch the system with all these games hmm. but thankfully they had a, a you know a system seller with with halo yeah if that hadn't have been there who knows what would happen to that you know it's the classic like alternate world like what would have happened if yeah. halo had just released on the mac or something like it originally was going to yeah like that system like i said like i was only kind of aware of the xbox and that was the game that put it on my radar to the point where i was like i think i need one of these i never got an original xbox i was a ps2 guy but I, it was also to the point of like, how have I not heard about this more? Like, where did this come from? This is so good. Yeah, I remember like the only other launch game that I remember anybody talking about was the Odd World Munchies Odyssey. But that that's a weird game because I don't see that being a system seller because that character was so weird looking. Yeah, and it was a step down from the previous entries. Like people really didn't like that one kind of going 3D. It just didn't work as well. I remember enjoying myself playing it, but I do wonder if going back now, 20 years later, if it holds up, probably not. They remastered it. It's on like switch and modern stuff now. Did you play it? I have not. I've I, that one in strangers wrath. The one after that was the only two I've never played. I think strangers wrath holds up. All right. I went back to that like three or four years ago. Yeah, that one's fun. So yeah, speaking of Halo and the Mac, so Microsoft took interest in around 2000, so a year before the game released, and they were obviously looking for games for their new console, as we mentioned. They're like, hey, we got a new console, we need some real games on here. And Bungie was actually interested in selling the company because they were in some financial trouble. They had a problem with when the release of Myth, there was a game-breaking bug, and they had to recall a bunch of copies, which cost them like, eight hundred thousand dollars or something crazy Oof. so they're like yeah we're we're not super um financially viable right now uh microsoft do you want to buy us and microsoft said yes so that's how that partnership ended up and that's why microsoft owns halo now that's how that happened they must have got it for uh relatively cheap given that it was an unknown ip at the time it's like one of those beneficial circumstances like we got this gazillion dollar franchise for like nothing probably i would imagine I'm guessing it was at least $800,000. <laughs> They're like, hey, can you pay this bill for us? Microsoft? <laughs> yeah. You just mail this off for us. Daddy Gates. Yeah, they were originally based in Chicago, but they had to, the studio Bungie had to move out to Seattle because mm-hmm. of the, the purchase, which kind of surprises me. I wonder why Microsoft made them do that, why they couldn't just stay in Chicago. Yeah. Are they still in Seattle? They are still in Seattle now. Yeah. yeah. They have a pretty cool office, actually. Well, I think they've moved a bunch, but like 343 moved into their old offices. But then I think 343 moved out of that. And for a while, Bungie was in an old uh, movie theater, which is kind of cool. What? Yeah. They got a sweet office. I'm just picturing that in my mind. <laughs> Sorry. 
Well, it's been gutted, like redone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Crystal Dynamics was in a church. That's cool. Yeah, they might still be. That might still be a part of their studio. Did they keep the church sign outside? Did they change out the letters every morning that just says, this week, Tomb Raider being <laughs> oh, gosh. Avengers that DLC. Is, <laughs> is sacrilegious as he could get. Yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man is here. <laughs> Praise the Lord. This Sunday. <laughs> All right. So well, interesting thing with the Microsoft purchases, they eventually settled on the name Halo, but then Microsoft wanted to add the tagline Combat Evolved to the title, and Bungie mm-hmm. really hated that. And I kind of agree with Bungie. I don't think that's really, I think Halo is a much stronger title as history has proved. Yeah, that's, uh, that's marketing having too much power and just not understanding what gamers want. You know, like putting that on there, you're like, what? Combat Evolved? Yeah, right. Whatever. Yeah, I've, I've never met anyone that says the full title when they talk about that game. No, it's a good way to distinguish that you're talking about the first game and that's about it. Have they removed that? Like on Master Chief Collection, stuff like that? Is it just Halo now? No, they just added anniversary, but it's still combat of all the anniversary. Huh? Yeah, it's so weird. You think they would almost retroactively like the remember when the PlayStation one had that redesign and they named it PS one and it was just PlayStation before to differentiate it. They should have mm-hmm. just done that. Like it's Halo one, but spell out the, the one, the word one. I bet the person that came up with combat evolved is still at Microsoft and is still carrying that <laughs> torch. <laughs> and it has so much clout over time that the, the people are just like, fine, just leave it. They should have just done like uh, like the reverse with Star Wars A New Hope. Like when that released in theaters, it was just Star Wars and then it was retroactively turned into yeah. New Hope. Like I remember, Renner, do you remember seeing like old versions of that? Because I, I swear I saw an old version as a kid where it was just called Star Wars and the opening scroll was just Star Wars. It didn't say anything about A New Hope. Yeah. I Yeah, I was too i'm too young to remember that but i i do i've seen it online uh in the years that have have followed so i think there was a cut that was that way we're saying that bungie should change it to halo colon a new hope right i think we're all in the same yeah or just call the game combat evolved and change all of them the sequels combat evolved evolved infinite that'll be the the reboot series combat evolved odst rolls right off the tongue Uh, it was interesting during my research, I found out that Bungie had a bunch of stuff they wanted to include the game. And as they were marching towards the release deadline, they're like, we just got to cut this, cut this and cut this. So a lot of stuff that ended up in two and three were originally planned for the first game. They also wanted it to be an open world game, which is kind of wild to think about because I feel like Infinite is kind of open world. So it's interesting that they finally got there or that the series finally got there. And I'll I'll just say this, by the way, most games have content cut like that, right? Oh, yeah. Like that's, yeah, there's always a machete being taken to content and ideas that just don't work out. And yeah, so that's, that's not something that's new, but there, you know, you're seeing stories online now for infinite that it's like, oh, they had to change course and change different things. It's like, well, most games do. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. A couple other things they wanted, they wanted terrain to deform. So like when you threw a grenade and it exploded, it might leave a crater stuff like that. They wanted persistent environments. So even like spent shell casings would like stay on the ground, which is, you know, there's games that games don't even do that now. Like that's, that's a lot of horsepower. You need a lot of memory. You need to have it to like, Oh yeah. spent shell casings stick around. That's wild. They also wanted variable weather, a lot of stuff that just didn't make it into the final game. However, what was in the final game was very good. And I would say revolutionary. Do you guys remember playing it? What are your favorite memories? I have, 
split memories of Halo. Like I mentioned before, when I when the game was new, I only played the multiplayer, and for a long time, that was my only uh, experience with Halo was through like LAN parties and whatnot with friends because I I didn't own an Xbox, uh, and it wasn't until the 360 came out that uh, Reach was my first one. But so the first time I played Halo One's campaign was actually through the Master Chief Collection a few years ago. And, you know, it, it was the anniversary edition, so you, it had the redone graphics that you could toggle between. So it was it was interesting going back to it uh, and its times. I remember playing it and thinking just like, oh, I don't know if this holds up super well, just as a shooter campaign, like it's fine. But, it, you know, I, I it didn't blow me away just because, you know, it was, I was playing it out of its time. So I, I had fun with it. But, yeah, <laughs> I'm not as high on it as a lot of other people. Well, I guess if you came to it super late, the first game probably wouldn't seem that impressive to you. Yeah. But when I, I mean, one of my favorite memories is landing on the halo for the first time. And I think a lot of people have this memory of just walking out and seeing that halo ring. Yeah. That was an amazing skybox. You could see like, here's the ring looping all the way around. I think that's still a pretty cool thing to see. Like halo infinite, you come out, you see like, here's the halo ring. They knew that was cool. Yeah. Like imagine being on a world where you look up and the rest of the world is above you. Like another country could be above you basically. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if the earth was like that and we just lived inside the earth and you could like look up and see China. It is Ben. Have you read my newsletters? I've been saying <laughs> that it's been like that forever. You're a hollow earth uh, theorist. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a halo earth man. Yes. Halo, halo earthian. <laughs> uh, for me, it was the feel of, you know, just taking your first steps with the, that, the analog sticks and you know that's the 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 size of the duke controller i think worked out well we complained about the black and white buttons and they were used sparingly in halo at least but just that it felt great and then the shield the energy shield was something that was kind of new at the time where mm. you know your your character could take a beating and then regenerate and get back out there against you know great odds you know just vehicles and, and enemies that are equipped with the same tech felt like a really fair fight you weren't, you know, you didn't really feel overpowered yet. You felt skillful. And, and, you know, the, the whole thing with the game was you really do have to earn your, your progress, right? Like, especially when you crank the difficulties and, and you're playing that way, like, yeah, it's, it's just phenomenal. And it, it, it's all based on that feel to go back to that original point. Yeah. The vehicles you mentioned were good points. I remember thinking that was super cool at the times. A lot of games at that point didn't really have that, like just, especially like shooters just a bunch of vehicles laying around that you could hop in and it would go third person and just go run your friends over or like have them hop in with you to fight other people. I remember being super mm -hmm. impressed with that playing multiplayer back in the day. And it is the one game series out there that when I get in a vehicle, I do not think like normally, like how you hit gas, you know, like oh. you're, it's a whole <laughs> different mindset that just comes <laughs> funneling back into your brain where you're like, Oh yeah, Halo does this differently. Push up. <laughs> yeah. Every yeah. game I'm like, oh, running into rocks for like the first 10 minutes. Yeah, it took me a while when I first played it to get used to. Oh, you want to like turn the camera where you want to go and the the warthog or whatever you're using takes a little while to to get there. So it feels a little bit floaty isn't the right word, but definitely sort of slippery. Maybe. It's weird to get momentum. Yeah. It, like actually, do you guys like the Halo driving or do you would you prefer they did a more traditional like driving setup like acceleration on the shoulders or something? I like it after I get used to it, right? Like it, it's funny being an in infinite right now and going into multiplayer matches and seeing people use the Warthog for the first time. 
and you're just flipping over or going into the gulch, you know, like into a big pits or, you know, they're just, they're just botching it. And you're like, ah, this person's never played Halo before. But, you know, when you get people that are skillful, skillful with them and boy, they could thread the needle on those, those paths and, and get you exactly where you need to be on, you know, control points and stuff like that. It's yeah, they, they work well when, once you get it, but you know, maybe they'd be better served for the masses to, to have a traditional, you know, just hit the right trigger to, to gas. <laughs> that seems like kind of the universal way, you know, that gamers are used to. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's just because I've been playing Halo for two decades. But when I pick up a Halo game, you know, with Infinite, I just immediately knew how to use it. I wasn't trying to hit the shoulder button for gas. I was just like, yeah, go. I yeah, didn't even think it just about comes. It. Yeah, you, it just comes funneling back, right? Like there's those your muscle memory of playing Halo is right there. Yeah. I wonder if they've ever added it. I have to look it up. because I know, wasn't it like Halo 4 that they added the Call of Duty control scheme as an option you could switch to? Like they they named it something like they couldn't call it call of duty scheme but they named it something that it was pretty cheeky like you know what this is for people that were used to that style of shooting i was wondering like if they ever did that with the drive controls of like oh it it plays like a driving game if that's what you want maybe yeah maybe some people would appreciate that for sure reiner you mentioned the rechargeable shields which just doubling back to that that felt like in my mind a big deal for the industry because before that i can't think of an instance where health just recharged in a shooter you're always having yeah. to pick up things and the recharging shield in halo it just felt like a game changer because you know then you didn't have to worry about managing your health quite as much and it it just played into their classic thing of here's 30 seconds of fun you know here's a combat encounter you're gonna have 30 seconds of fun and then things will reset and you can engage in another combat that's that's fun in its own way and different uh and i think the shield was a big part of that to the point where every other shooter basically just adopted recharging health even like call of duty it's essentially recharging health that just it's invisible that became an industry standard to the point where doom 2016 came out and they're like we're going to health packs and that felt like a novel weird throwback yep yep and it's funny if you really think about what master chief is doing it's like guns blazing just you know one man army just you know yes there are other people around him and stuff but you know just blazing his own trail and then his shield gets knocked down and then this Turning heel, this active cowardice, running away, bouncing along the terrain to get behind something to recharge, and then he goes right back at it. The guns blazing again. Uh, it's it's pretty cool, you know that how your mindset changes in that moment of just like I'm standing my own, everything's good, and then you hear that beeping, and you're like, I gotta hide. <laughs> I gotta find a way to to stay alive. I was gonna ask, like, do you guys have the like? Has that psychologically affected you? The uh, I'm out of shield alarm that goes off, the boom, 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 like. To me, it's almost up there with the Sonic is drowning sound effect. Oh, like gosh. just you hear it immediately, anxiety inducing. Like I gotta go. Zelda for me, the beeping in Zelda when you you have a half a heart left. That's really bad too. That one, that one gets me. The link to the past sound. Yeah, it should yeah. just set one of those as your wake up alarm. Just immediately, <laughs> like, I'm up now. Yeah, you never want to snooze that, right? Like, just I don't want to hear it again. That's a good idea, Ben. I actually did that for a week with the Sonic is Drowning thing, and then decided it was a little too much. Really? <laughs> but yeah, uh, like in high school, I wanted to try it. <laughs> I love that it was too much. You're like, nope, I can't do this every morning. <laughs> Wake up gasping for air. Going back to innovations in Halo. We talked about the rechargeable shields. The other thing that I think was a big deal was the fact that you were limited to two weapons and you had to swap between them, which 
made it easy to manage your inventory. I mean, you didn't have an inventory really where a lot of games and shooters made you like jump into a menu to swap items or you're rotating through like 10 different things to get to the thing you wanted. The fact that you only had two, I remember feeling limiting when I first played it. But once you get used to it, you're like, actually, this is a smart choice because then I can quickly swap to my other weapon. I'm not like man fumbling through a bunch of stuff. I just pick up a new gun when I want it. Like it, it wasn't really an issue. And I think that was actually a smart choice on their part. It's great for their design, right? For conflict design, you know, they know exactly what options players will have in their arsenal and can kind of build the encounters around that, you know, that kind of thinking. You see that again, you know, in infinite, even today where you'll see like the weapon locker, you know, like in front of you before you go in a room and you're like, oh, these enemies are probably going to be in there or, you know, they're just limiting me to these guns. I'm not really good at them, but they want me to be. So this is kind of that tutorial for that moment, right? Like get good with these guns. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that about the game. It tests you in different ways. And yeah, I think they've been really successful in, in, in that formula. I'm glad they've kept it. Yeah. That's something I had to come around on because I, I used to think it was too limiting. And I think as I was, I'm a big fan of the Ratchet and Clank style weapon wheel. Uh, and I used to always just like when I was playing the Halo campaigns, like, oh, it'd be great if they just did that, like instead of just having two guns. Um, but that's a really good point, Reiner, about making you learn the guns and designing the encounters around them. It's something I slowly had to come around on and see that, like, okay, like maybe this isn't like I have more options than I realize, and I kind of like the test of like this is what I have to work with, make it happen. You'll eventually run out of shotgun shells, and if they just stop spawning enemies with shotguns or don't leave a shotgun around for you. You have to try a different weapon. Makes you feel scrappy and resourceful when you pick up a gun that like, I don't normally use this, but it's right here. And I just killed this super tough guy and it feels real good. I got to point this out uh, to go back to, I'll blend these together, the weapons and then using two weapons and then the shield for multiplayer. When you see an enemy shield go down, those conflicts are so long, right? Like it's not like call of duty where you just a couple bullets and, and your opponent's down. This is a real conflict, like almost like the gunslingers, right? Like one-on-one, it's often one-on-one. You always hate it when someone comes blazing in behind you and and flanks you and gets you. But when you have those one-on-one conflicts, it's really intense. And when you see that shield, that spark go down, you're like, oh gosh, but you might have to reload. So you will hit Y and immediately bring out your other weapon to finish them off. So that's almost like your your finisher sometimes, right? The pistol or or something else uh, that you can use to... Because you know you're going to have limited rounds, maybe not enough in your clip to uh, or charge to uh, to take them down fully with with your first weapon. I've also heard people compare it. Somebody compared it to a fighting game once. So I was like, oh, that's kind of. I mean, it's obviously not mechanically, but you know, you are dodging in and out of cover. You're trying to like strategically think about what your opponent's doing, and like you're saying, when you see the shield go down. How do I get him? Do I throw a grenade over here, bounce it off a wall, try to get him? Do, am I close enough? Do I need to run up and like just melee attack him? Oh, get him down? melee feels so good too. Yeah, yeah it really does. <laughs> it's got a great smack sound effect that playing multiplayer with friends, it was like, it was always just hilarious. Just m- meleeing a friend and hearing that smack and then them just like, oh, I can't <laughs> believe you killed me like that. <laughs> I, were there a lot of shooters back then that had melee? I don't remember if they did. Like, I don't think there was powerful because i think that was the thing master chief was basically a super soldier so he hits you you should go down yeah it's that shawak get someone in the back of the neck with that when they're not uh-huh. paying attention mm. but yeah i don't think there was anything that was as impactful as that in terms of melee attacks 
Or it was a thing where you had to swap to another weapon. You had to swap to like the chainsaw with the doom guy or like Gordon Freeman had his crowbar, but you always had to swap back to it. It wasn't just on a button. Yeah. So that was a big deal. I mean, Master Chief, right? Like you just brought him up. Like he's a super soldier and boy, you, you felt powerful playing as him and then not knowing, you know, who he is. You, you, that was a big mystery and everybody you know kind of compared it to metroid like oh they'll they'll eventually show us but you know <laughs> we learn his name is you know nothing against the johns out there but john <laughs> you know, you're like all right cool <laughs> what, what would you name master chief reiner it's something like obi-wan or something cool qui-gon <laughs> or something like kind of alien sounding <laughs> yeah give it some mystery give it a sci-fi feel you know like John, John, Jonas, Samos, Samwise, Stamos, John Stamos. That's his name. Mm. <laughs> That'd be a hell of a reveal. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's sexy under there. <laughs> you think they'll ever actually, they've said in, in, uh, interviews that they never will show his face, but well, Hollywood now has the halo license. They're making a show, right? Mm hmm. I would not be surprised if they they try it. It's going to be weird when we see Chris Pratt face the camera. <laughs> <laughs> and he's voicing Cortana. <laughs> it has to be an unknown actor. Like nobody's knows who this person is, you know, is is Master Chief. You cannot have any star power. It it, it would just be a disaster. It would be distracting. You're just going to look at it like, "Oh, that's that's just Benedict Cumberbatch or something." <laughs> <laughs> also, they did in the comics and the books, they have shown Master Chief's face when he's a kid training. So we technically have seen his face just as an adolescent. Well, they describe his face, too. He's like, isn't he a redhead? Yeah, like brown, red. I, like the description I found when I was looking at the lore is that at least as a kid, he had like reddish brown hair, freckles, and he has a gap between his two front teeth, which makes me think that he's just the Mad Magazine mascot. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred E. Newman. <laughs> Gosh, now I'm not going to be able to not picture that <laughs> behind the helmet. I mean, you just hire the redhead from um, the Harry Potter films. Oh, Rupert. Ron? Ron Weasley. Yeah, Rupert. Yeah, Ron Weasley. There you oh, go. What's he doing right now? Master. He's going to be in the Halo show as Master Chief. And they probably got fit or something. <laughs> it's like the story's like, hey, remember this guy? He was a schlub. Now he's sexy. Yeah, he's going to be like Kamel for Eternals. That's right. Just eating carrots every day. It's healthy. Mm. Is that what he did? I think that's all he did. He just ate a bunch of carrots. Oh, huh. okay. Must have great eyesight. Now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he has 2040 vision or, or whatever. Is that good? Or is it 4020? Yeah, everybody listening, if you're thinking of doing this, look it up. I think there's some downfalls to eating carrots every day. Is there? Yeah, I think your skin might change color or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we're not medical doctors. We're just doctors of video games. Mm, PhD in podcast. Yeah, you mentioned the the books. And I actually read that first book. I remember loving the first game so much. I'm like, I'm going to look into this book. And it was it was kind of pulpy. You know, it, was, it definitely wasn't written to like a highbrow crowd or anything. But at the same time, like I had a lot of fun reading that book. And it sets up the narrative of the game really well and lets me understand the characters and world more. I've always been tempted to read more books. Have you guys read any of the books or comics? I read the first couple of books. Oh, who was the writer there? 
Eric Nyland. Yes. Yes. And then some of the comics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then Brian Michael Bendis wrote a comic that I read that was pretty solid. Oh, wow. I've I've not read any of the Bandit Universe stuff, but what's interesting about the first book, which is The Fall of Reach, is that it came out about a month before the game. So it was kind of meant to be a like a prelude into the game, which is that's a lot of faith to put into your new franchise that like put money into a book and like expected to be this new fiction that's going to be huge. Like, hey, you got to read this to get ready for this game that you've never heard of, probably. <laughs> Yeah, I I think that was a lot of Microsoft's doing. And again, it goes back to if Halo had only ever come out on Mac, I kind of wonder if they would have ever invested as much money or certainly investment in the narrative itself. I don't think we would have had this like larger franchise cross media franchise, which is wild to think about. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it it would have just been one and done (laughs) or, you know, maybe got a sequel, but not been this multimedia giant. You know, that Mass Effect, you know, the, they've kind of taken off like Star Wars, right? Like mm-hmm. in the sci-fi space. And, you know, people just want to eat up everything they can learn about these these characters and universes. The interesting thing about Halo 1 is that, like we just said, the uh, the book released before the game. And that there's a lot of um, backstory that the game doesn't touch on that you either have to read the book or just have to look up after the fact. That adds a lot of, um, I think, kind of necessary context is the game pretty much just opens right after the end of uh, the fall of reach, which we'll talk about more when we get to the halo reach episode. But the basic, basic synopsis prior to the game is that, you know, it's in the 26th century and that humans have colonized hundreds of planets after developing slip space technology because earth became overpopulated and that led to some civil wars and that the uh, Spartans, which is what master chief is, is, basically a program of super soldiers that were initially created to kind of like keep the peace, keep the infighting down with all the human colonies until the covenant showed up and they kind of proved to be the only thing that could turn the tide and the covenant. And this is something that took me years to figure out. Cause I always thought the covenant were like a singular race of aliens. And it's actually just a collective of different alien races all under one sort of religious banner. Yeah, I don't think that was ever super clear in the games. Yeah, at least not for a while. Maybe in the third one they talk about it. Yeah, because I know the first one, they like they literally just show up and start attacking your ship. (laughs) The Pillar of Autumn. And it's kind of like you kind of get the idea of like from just listening to the characters like, oh, I guess these guys are bad and we've been fighting them for a while. Okay, but, you know, back then, especially for a game, you probably don't need much reason for why you should shoot these things in the face. Yeah, like, you know, we're introduced to Master Chief uh, Cortana, his AI companion, who was um, pretty much entrusted to him because she has all the secrets of Earth's military, the UN- UNSC, as well as uh, Earth's location, which the Covenant do not know. And they're like, hey, the ship's going down. You, you're going to get Master Chief, you know, protect Cortana, please. Don't let her fall into the bad guy's hands. And... They crash land on a ring world called Halo. Yeah. Backing up from that, uh, Marcus, real quick, is I remember the opening of the game laughing a little bit with some friends because it's kind of absurd, but crazy that he's basically frozen at the beginning of the game. (laughs) We just thought, oh, here's the super. They just keep a super soldier frozen in the fridge and like bring him out when it's just like, hey, time to dethaw our super soldier. We need him. Like, it just seems like such a weird thing. He's basically the winter soldier. I guess, yeah. It's like he, like he doesn't like earn the right to maybe just walk around and chill out like when he's not 
in active combat, he can't just relax. You have to freeze him. Well, that's what made it seem absurd, right? And it's, I think they've explained it more in the books, but it made him feel like less of a person. You know, he doesn't have a ton of agency or he just, he doesn't have hobbies or things he does outside of combat. He just sort of lives through a battle and it's like, all right, dethaw the guy. Yeah, because that's kind of what the Spartan program is, is that they take kids and pretty much from birth just raise them as killing machines. That's all that they know. And then they inject them with things that make them, you know, give them their super soldier abilities and even the armor they wear. Uh, only they, the Mjolnir armor, like only they can wear it because it pretty much buffs up all their stats. And apparently if a normal person wore that, it would kill them instantly because they their bodies couldn't handle what it does to you. The yeah, how it moves or something. What's well, yeah. even more effed up than that? Because they like they kidnapped kids from across the galaxy, cloned them, gave the clones back to their parents. <laughs> so the parents like just kept living with this clone kid and never knew. And then the original kids get sent off to training camp when they're like eight years old, yeah. which is kind of messed up. Makes you think. What if that happened to you? You would never know, right? Oh, am I the clone? Uh, who knows? Real life clone saga. You know what else I learned about that armor, by the way? If they have to go, they just go in it. Did J.K. Rowling tell you that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, they just, you know, they don't make any bathroom breaks. They, they just keep going. Does it recycle it like Dune or something? Yeah, there's something to it. Yeah. Maybe it comes out their heel or something. I don't well, know. Yeah, eventually it's got to like shoot out the stuff somewhere, right? Yeah. Maybe they burn it up in there. I don't know. Turns it into little pellets that they like bunnies. <laughs> i think that's in one of the books well do they eat because you would think that if you're genetically engineering these kids to be the perfect killers you would do a thing like well we probably don't want them to use the bathrooms that's going to be a liability so let's like take that out of them like let's just take out their bladders and whatever and let's make it so they don't take their bladder out hey i mean humanity has developed split slip space technology they can figure out how to make you not pee and poop okay Turns out they just eat they just eat carrots oh that's all they eat yeah. Uh, one thing I do know, and this was, I think, in the first book, was they, so they also genetically modified them a little bit. And those genetic experiments they did on them actually sort of sterilized them. So they don't really have much of a sex drive. No, he gets his kicks on the battlefield. That's right. I, I think there's something there because they always felt like there was pseudo romantic thing going on between him and Cortana, right? Yeah, that's And I don't I, know if that's like partially fan imposed because they're like, well, sexy AI lady. But I feel like the developers have leaned into it a little bit. And so that is interesting to me from a character perspective of like this guy doesn't really have a sex drive. And so he's sort of interested in this computer lady. That's interesting, right? Is that the most tragic aspect of his character? That he has no sex drive? <laughs> well, maybe being kidnapped from your parents when you're eight is kind of tragic. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if there's an attraction there or if it's just like his, you know, the only being he really knows, you know, that he's, he's with and he doesn't want to lose that companionship. Right. That's kind of what I took from it. He's just like, <laughs> you're kind of all I got. She's the only one that shows any real affection for him. Everyone else kind of like, I mean, everyone likes him, but it's more of a, like a, Hey, you're good at killing things mm -hmm. kind of a thing. She seems to actually like him as a person. It's like when Superman shows up. Oh, thank goodness he's here. Thank you, Chief. Pretty much. We're not going to hang out with you afterwards. We're going <laughs> to we're going to freeze you until we need you yeah, again. <laughs> you're a little intimidated. <laughs> Throw Superman <laughs> in the fridge. Uh, we're a little intimidated to just grab drinks with you. But thanks, Chief. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'd be like, hey, you threw this person through 
my apartment. <laughs> Could you please clean it up? You know, Superman, like that's what you would say. You would ask him to like clean up your room. Who's going to fix that? Who's going to fix the hole in my wall? Not my problem. Also, I got a <laughs> bag of dirty laundry there too. Would you mind running that through the wash? <laughs> So there's some uh, some other characters in Halo 1, not a huge cast. Uh, there's Captain uh, Jacob Keys, who is uh, is not long for this world. <laughs> He's taken out in this game uh, in pretty gruesome fashion that we'll get to shortly. There's also your uh, Sergeant uh, Avery Jones, who I remember playing this and I kept thinking or like maybe wishing that he was just Major Pain because he's about a step below Major Pain level. He's a very boisterous kind of almost like caricature of uh-huh. like you know like the hard ass like drill sergeant guy like he's always like let's get in there chief and <laughs> that's I, is that the the guy who hugs the grunt at the end of the game you know what i'm talking about oh i think so because sergeant johnson right is that what you're saying yeah he's in there like i think he's in there up to three i think three is where he dies i believe but he's kind of like the main voice that you hear that's not Cortana telling you what to do a lot of the time. And then, uh, of course, uh, 343 Guilty Spark, who is uh, basically the custodian of the Halo ring, because eventually you you and along with the Covenant unleash a new enemy called the Flood that I think is worth diving into, because I mm-hmm. that's, of course maybe like the moment of the game right like this introduction of a new enemy that nobody knew about that is you know they're a parasitic race that just wants to devour all life so it doesn't matter whose side you're on this is a problem for all of us this is basically halo's white walkers what'd you guys think of that the first time that happened was that like a big deal for you guys like whoa this is cool it's a nice plot twist at the right time right like change it up shake it up give you something new to to think about in battle yeah I think it works. They did a good job of not talking about it beforehand. Well, not a lot of people. It didn't seem like a lot of people were talking about Halo before it came out. It was one of those kind of surprise games. But even in reviews, people weren't talking about the flood, which was nice that it didn't get spoiled for me. But yeah, it was kind of a cool surprise. Like, oh, there's another enemy and it's it works completely different. No shields. And it's all about overwhelming you. Yeah. Did you like fighting them? Because when I was. That's one thing that drove me nuts playing the Master Chief Collection was like fighting those little guys is a huge pain. <laughs> yeah, it got to the point where if it's just a couple of them, you can let them run up against your shield and just explode. Yeah. And you don't have to waste <laughs> ammo on them. But it's a lot of running backwards, like trying to like thin the crowd before it gets to you. Yeah, I remember actively disliking that and wondering, like, I guess this was probably pretty cool back in the day. But I was like, I just want this to be over. <laughs> this is rough. <laughs> well, it, it added an element of survival horror which I guess I'm true rival horror fan. So I appreciated that part of it. And it wasn't a thing I was expecting in this sci-fi shooter, which was pretty straightforward sci-fi adventure up until then. So it was a nice little twist in that element. And it's a twist within a twist. Cause uh, when they're unleashed, it's also revealed that the halo ring is a weapon. It's up to that point. Master chief and Cortana are trying to activate it or at least figure out what it is. And a uh, guilty spark is the little kind of wheatly looking floating robot guy mm-hmm. is like he almost tricks you into activating it because uh, he was trying to prevent the flood from coming out. And they're like, well, now that they're out, we got to use this thing for what it's really for, which is to wipe out all sentient life within, like, believe it's like 25,000 light year radius, which may as well just be the whole galaxy. And the idea is that, well, since the flood survive on living things, if we wipe out all life, then they'll starve to death. That's the only way you can get rid of these guys. So, you know, let's do it. And 
Cortana and Master Chief, of course, go like, oh, no, we're not. No, we're not going to do that. So you have to fight Guilty Spark. You end up beating him. And you guys kind of have to figure out, like, well, we got to blow up this ring, I guess, before the flood can spread off of it. So Captain Keys, of course, gets killed by the flood. But you're able to get a little neural implant out of his brain, which allows you to basically trigger a self-destruct sequence with the ship that you guys own and blow up. This is the thing that I'd forgotten about, but it, you blow up the ring. It wipes out everyone on it, which includes your own dudes. You know, some of them are infected by the flood, but I don't think all of them are. And Cortana is kind of okay with this. She's kind of like, well, you know, it was a sacrifice that they needed to make for the greater. They knew what they were getting into, like something like that. And I remember like, huh, like I don't remember her being so pragmatic about this. Then they high five. And then, yeah, it's then credits. Yeah. Like she's she's like, hey, we're done. There are some people who escape, though, like Avery Johnson escapes because he's in two. Yeah, he gets out of there. I looked up that scene, too. It's apparently it's a post credit scene only on the legendary difficulty. So you have to beat it in legendary. And then you see him hugging an elite right as the halo ring explodes. And supposedly they die. So it's not really canon. It's just huh. a weird little Easter egg for fans. It's like I guess. the end of Rogue One. There's a hugging and there's an explosion in the background yeah. engulfs them. That's right. There's also a scene uh, for beating Legendary 2 where you see that 343 Guilty Spark uh, survived the explosion. That little piece of... Did you guys like 343 Guilty Spark? Yeah. yeah it's it's it, a good way to lore dump, right? <laughs> An interesting way of a, a robotic being to tell you what's going on. Yeah. I think it works. Playing that campaign after Portal 2 made me like him more. So I was like, oh, it's just Wheatley. I love this. He's <laughs> got a real Wheatley vibe. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I don't think I've ever made that connection. Yeah, he is just a real, he's a good character. He's like a character who you can't really fight, right? But he is just a little piece of crap that you want to sort of <laughs> smash. Yeah, he sends those Sentinels robots at you when you don't do what he wants you to do. Even when we teamed up for the first time, I was like, I know something's off about this thing and it's not going to end well for me. I think at the time I compared it to like the robots in that Steven Spielberg produced film, Batteries Not Included. Oh, gosh. From the <laughs> 80s? Yeah. 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 It was like, oh, it was just this little floating ball thing. Yeah. Those things were much cuter. Yeah. I remember they were making hamburgers. I remember as a kid, I wanted to have one. I was like, I want yeah. that as a pet. That'd be fun. <laughs> I think another interesting thing about the the plot is that uh, there's no like singular antagonist like or like the covenant as a collective already antagonist, but there's no like big bad guy like the leader right like you see now with halo infinite i mean would three four three be kind of the closest thing guilty sparks like the closest thing to that right yeah kind of even then because he's introduced kind of late into the story and he's and he's positioned as your ally for a, a good bit of it but even then I, I yeah he's almost by default i guess but not really I don't know. I just think the answer to like who's for like our new hero, Master Chief, you would think they'd be like, oh, he has to have like, he needs his Joker or something, right? Like, who's going to be the guy that he goes to blows with? And they don't really have that in the first game or really, I would say, throughout most of the series, honestly. Was that five they were trying to have that? Like, even on the cover of the two heads, I can't remember the other guy, Guardians. Oh, Locke. Spartan Locke. Yeah. They tried to like build up, like, oh, they're, they're going to throw down. 
Yeah, they did like a kind of a Marvel Civil War thing with yeah. that. Like who? I think they straight up did like who's who's your team, right? <laughs> like, are you team? Right. Rock? They tried to, but it's like obviously this new guy that I don't know yet. You want me to side with him over Master Chief, this character <laughs> yeah. that grown to love for <laughs> almost twenty years? Like he looks cool, I guess, but he looks cool and also very similar to Master Chief. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's uh, fascinating that, again, the Covenant don't really get fleshed out much until the later games and the expanded fiction. They're literally just kind of like, hey, there's some freaky aliens. Go, They're trying to kill you. Kill them first. That's all you need to know. Yeah, the ending, too, was it basically ended in a a race. You were racing in a warthog across this crumbling, I don't know, rainbow road, you could almost call it, <laughs> on Halo. But it was so frustrating. <laughs> I remember that being a weird choice. And I was even back in the day, I was like, well, this is how the game ends. There's no like boss battle or anything. Felt yeah. sort of anticlimactic. And that became a recurring thing because they did it in Halo 3. Same mm-hmm. thing. Which I actually I kind of like that. I'm I'm kind of of the mind that I don't think every game needs a final boss battle. I feel like a lot of games don't do final boss battles that well because it feels shoehorned because that's just what players expect. And it's like, if you just do like a final sequence, that's exciting. That can be just as good. if not better than having like, here's the big guy at the end. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that. I think the weird, the thing that threw me off though, is like, it was all car based. You were just riding in the warthog yeah. rather than the main part of the game is like you, the combat, the shooting, which was really good. Why not do something with that? Yeah, I agree with you. You kind of took him out of his element for kind of like a side activity, you know, like jumping across gaps <laughs> which you know it, it was a cool set piece but it, at the same time it's like not really what master chief's about right what you liked about him yeah maybe that's a product like we don't really have a single big bad if, like we already killed 343 which i guess is the closest thing to that yeah i guess it was fun overall even despite my like problems with like how it ended i agree with you marcus i don't think i would have wanted them to just throw here's a giant monster with a ton of health at me but i don't know what i would have wanted I think development was pretty strained. They were cutting stuff. So that was like the best they could do with the time they had. Yeah. Did you guys like the campaign, like the story? Because I, again, playing it so late and having years of expectations, I know people really love the Halo mythos. I was like, oh, this is probably going to be like a rich, like I, I came into it almost like, oh, this is going to be like Mass Effect 1, right? There's going to be a lot to this. And I remember like the story, you know, if you remove all the side context with like the expanded universe stuff, it's pretty straightforward and pretty light like halo 2 is where they really started to dig into it but i remember almost being disappointed of like oh that's this is it hmm. okay like i thought there was more to this <laughs> than there is no, there was there was a lot of mysteries there like who am i what is this halo who are these aliens mm-hmm. why are they together that yeah i thought they did a pretty good job of planting seeds yeah i guess they didn't follow through on all of it but at least they they intrigued you right like they made you think about their lore and their fiction. I think that's a good starting point. Yeah, I guess I wanted it from the start because I, I, as someone that only played the multiplayer, I was always curious about like, well, what are, where even are these guys? Like, I hear things from my friends just in passing. Like, what is the Covenant? Or what, what is a Master Chief exactly? <laughs> Which apparently also Master Chief's full name is Master Chief Petty Officer John 117. Petty Officer sounds weird for him. Petty Officer is his middle name? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> also, you want to hear a fun fact about Master Chief is that apparently he has earned every UNSC medal except for one. Yeah, he's got a thousand gamer score for Halo. Yeah, pretty much. 
Do you guys know what the one he doesn't have is? Like what what deed he has not committed to earn this medal? Use the bathroom? Yeah, I don't know. Sacrifice? Martyrdom? Somewhat close. There's a prisoner of war medal, apparently, that you get if you become a POW and either escape or survive long enough to be rescued. Huh. That's the only one he does not have because he's too good to get captured. Even though I feel like there's points in the story where he feel like he's been captured once, right? Uh, I'm trying to think. Can he say when he's in cryo, he's captured? Can he just be like, just give me my medal? Don't make me go without weapons into this enemy camp just to get captured, to get my medal. <laughs> just to get 100%. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, we've been over this, Master Chief. Gosh, you're so petty. Perhaps he could say the UNNC has kept them captive his whole life. There you go. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. He's a cool character, though. I remember a lot of people saying back in the day, like, oh, he's just a clone of the Doom guy. And certainly there's elements of that in the helmet. But they've mm-hmm. definitely made him his own character. He's kind of like, you know, I always think of him as like he's this genetically modified human. So he's kind of like Captain America, but he's in this basically Iron Man armor. It can't fly, but it's basically super strong and does all this other stuff for him. Yeah, he's like Captain America Crossway Clint Eastwood to me. You know, doesn't talk much, doesn't need to, but when he speaks, it's impactful. It's important. He's got like that. He's got a swagger to him. That I mean, the voice actor for him, who I did, I met him one time at a Comic Con. Uh, did you? Yeah, this is before I even really played the campaign, so I was like a fake fan getting an autograph because he was just because he was there. It was when a uh, Halo Four was coming out. And him and uh, Cortana's voice actress were signing autographs. And I, in this room, actually have it framed for Halo 4. And he was, he spoke to me in the Master Chief voice, which I assume is just basically his voice. So it was kind of weird because he's like asking me where I'm from and stuff. And I'm just hearing Master Chief like, uh, where are you from? I, I can't do a Master Chief. What'd you say to him? Oh, yeah, I was like, I'm from Florida. And, you know, I had fun with the Halos that I played. And it was pretty boilerplate stuff. But. He signed my poster. It says, finish the fight, Marcus. You're like, are you trying to pick a fight with me? You want to take this out back, dude? You just didn't understand what that meant. You're like, I don't know. He was also wearing a cowboy hat, which is that's perfect. Fun visual. I love that. Yeah, he doesn't do a lot of voiceover work. Uh, famously, he is a radio DJ. I don't know if he's retired yet, but yeah, he's, I think, a radio DJ out of Chicago. So somebody must have just been listening to the radio. Back when Bungie was in Chicago and been like, that guy should be in our game. He sounds like a killing machine. That's yeah. right. He sounds like he's eight feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> what, do you know what he his genre is? Like, I'm trying to, is he just the, the Master Chief voice? He's like changing tracks. Like, hey, I got the new, I got the new Drake for you. Uh, I don't know. But the fact that he was wearing a cowboy hat makes me wonder. Yeah. Country. Yeah. Toby Keith. Up Here's next. Garth Brooks again. You mean Chris Gaines? Oh, sorry. Yes. They can alternate between those two radio stars. Yeah, that's kind of it for like the main campaign. We should probably talk at least a little bit about multiplayer. Do you guys have a lot of fond memories for multiplayer? Oh, yeah. I think that's where we spent most of the time playing that game, right? Yeah, just one of the best multiplayer experiences ever. Just the, the weapon selection, you know, on its own, just how diverse that is. And then again, going back to that, what the shields do, the, the amount of hit points, the hits, you know, being a uh, bullet sponges to your degree, the dynamics there and, and how much skill that brings out in every conflict. 
Yeah, there's nothing uh, at the time. There was nothing like it. It really changed, you know, the landscape of multiplayer gaming. And you can't say enough about split screen, how important that was back in the day. I remember being so grateful for it at the time because my friends and I had grown out of GoldenEye, you know, mm-hmm. and new generation of consoles that come out. So I remember I just I was actively chasing that GoldenEye high of like, what's the next multiplayer thing that like four of my friends can do? And when that game hit that, you know, took over everything and looking forward so much to going to my friend for like sleepovers or just any sort of gathering so that we could do that because I I just loved it. I was a huge GoldenEye kid and this was like the next big thing. And yeah, I'll always be thankful for Halo for that. Like, yes, giving me the next game where I can shoot my friend in the face and laugh at them while eating pizza. Uh, Yeah, I remember having LAN parties. This game came out when I was in college, although I wasn't living in the dorms. I had some friends who were and Halo was the thing in college dorms back then. I mean, probably still is, but there just was not competition back then. It was you were playing Halo. That, That was what everybody was playing. I remember setting it up, like going over to friends' houses, bringing a couple consoles and setting up TVs so you could get 16 player going. Yeah, that was a lot of fun because I guess that was the other thing we, we should mention in case people haven't played this game for whatever reason. The first game was not online. It was not online until it came to PC. So you and then Halo 2 was the, the big innovation. There was online multiplayer. So the first game you had to basically play it through LAN. Yeah, or split screen. Yeah. Or split screen. Yeah, you can do four player on one console, which was also a lot of fun. Good times. Good times. Yeah, I don't know what else there's to say. That's Halo. Yeah, still one of the best, one of the best shooter franchises yet 20 years later. Yeah, came out. Obviously, it was a huge success. We gave it a 9.5. A lot of other outlets gave it uh, equally high scores, as we've said. It is often credited as saving the Xbox or saving Microsoft, helping Microsoft get a foothold in the industry. And with without it, it's easy to theorize that maybe Microsoft would not be around in the game space these days. Who knows? You know? Yeah. I mean, that's the only reason I remember the name Xbox was that game. You weren't playing Fusion Frenzy, man? <laughs> no, weirdly enough, none of my friends have that. Missed out, it seems. Yeah. Reportedly, you know, this could be disputed. Reportedly, the game sold 8 million copies, which means that about a third of all Xbox owners owned Halo. That has to be one of the highest attach rates. It's very high. Yeah, 33 might not sound like a lot to some people, but like a third is actually really high for an attach rate. They never did a a bundle with the game, did they, when they launched it? I don't think they, uh, when they launched it, I don't think so. Maybe later down the road. Okay. That's Halo. I guess thanks everybody for listening to this journey with us. Uh, it's been fun. It's been fun to go back and revisit Halo for the first time in a while. And go play the new one. Yeah, go play Halo Infinite. Well, I was going to say, do you guys think it's worth playing the first Halo if you've never played it before you play Infinite or should you just dive into Infinite? I think you should give it a shot. Just see how it started. I think that's always important, even if you don't see it all the way through. Yeah, I mean, I was in the exact situation a few years ago and I was glad that I played it. And it's so easy to play now because it's the Master Chief's collections on Game Pass. So it's for a lot of people, it's pretty much right there to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to download. It's fun to go go back to. And they have those uh, updated graphics. So, you know, if you're sensitive to old polygons. Like allergic? Yes. If you can't handle those hard edges, if it makes you sneeze, mm-hmm. you can hit that uh, fancy remake mode. And it probably fixes that for you. I have a gluten and polygon allergy. Mm. 
a bad combo. Yeah. No, I can't, yeah, I can't eat combos. All right. Well, that's going to do it. We'll end there, I guess. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of video gameography. Please like, and subscribe, please leave us a review and you can follow me at Benjamin Reeves on Twitter. And I'm at Marcus Stewart seven. That's the number seven on Twitter. And I'm at Andrew underscore Reiner. Perfect. Anything you want to plug on the site, Reiner? Anything people should check out? Uh, December 13th, come to our site for the top 10 games of 2021. Hmm. See, I think this will post after that. Go back to December 13th. <laughs> Use your time machine. Look at our top 10 games of 2021. Yeah, our top 10 games just came out. Some good stuff. I mean, at this point, people know it's it's Halo Infinite, so it's a good time yeah. to. Everyone agrees with the order, and the... it's insane. Everybody agreed with us, like yeah. most lists. It's great. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks again, everybody. Come back next week. We'll be checking out Halo Two. Marcus, you excited? Yeah, that is uh that is my one in terms of uh, excitement at the time. So excited to dive into that one. Work, work, work. I was trying to do the elite call. Okay. <laughs> That's not bad, actually. <laughs>